man, that was so good just to listen and to be where you guys are every week. It's different up here and down there and just to hear uh, the people of God singing. Amen. Let it be so. Man, that was really good. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. That was, that was great. Um, I'm a little un- unsure what, what to do next. Um, I'm going to pray, I think. Is it pray? Okay. All right, I'm going to pray. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, uh, we, we praise you for who you are, and your word reveals that you are a God who is everywhere, who knows everything, who is unlimited in power, who is high and holy, but who also is, uh, is gentle and, and lowly and, and loving. And so we praise you, God, that you stand alone, and in response, Father, we stand amazed at your holiness and your set-apartness, and your perfectness, but also your love. And Father, we need you this morning. I need you. Your people need you. And so we ask that you would prepare our hearts, that you would help us to receive what you have for us today from your word. I pray that you would break the hard and the stony ground. I pray that you would pry eyes open and, and break hearts. I pray that you would help our unbelief this morning. Would you plant your word down deep within us, so deep, and cause it to bear fruit that it would would reach down to the darkest places of our hearts and eviscerate that sin. And I pray that you'd open our ears to hear what you have for us. May you lead us in your truth. I pray that the spirit would work in such a mighty and a powerful way and open our eyes to your word and illuminate, give us understanding what you have for us from your word. Father, may you show us Christ. Oh God, I ask that you would reveal your glory through the preaching of your word until every heart confesses that Christ is Lord. Father, where else can we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. And so I ask that you would stand by me this morning, that you would strengthen me, so that through me, your message might be fully proclaimed to all and all might hear it. And Father, we would see your glory and we would change for your glory. And we are excited for what you will do. And I praise you ahead of time for, for what you will do through the preaching of your, your word. We ask all of this in Jesus and his beautiful and his precious and his powerful and his loving name. Amen. Please be seated. The big idea this morning is this, is that God's love flows vertically to us and then horizontally to others. That God's love flows vertically to us and then horizontally to one another. So my preaching movement chart, I don't know if you want to call it, it's it's a little hard to see up here, but I I took a picture of this. And uh, as you can see up on the top, there's kind of, it's this triangle and it's a moving chart for up here for the cameras up there so they know how much to move. And you can see at the top, if you, if you can't, but Pastor Ken is up there and his triangle is at the top and it's the smallest and it's kind of maybe around here. I think though he does, he does come to the sides and he's kind of working out there. And then under that is Pastor Brandon's and his gets a little bit bigger and I noticed he kind of came out to here. And I think Pastor Josh, I think we could probably put him maybe in between those. And then on the bottom, you can see is Pastor Dave's, um, I, I call it my preaching movement chart. It is very wide. Uh, sometimes I like to go down to the pews and, and different things. So uh, Mr. Choka asked me, are you going down to the pews today so I can let my camera crew know? And I, I, I am not. Uh, I, and I, you guys are ready. Thank you. But my 
I guess you could call my, my preaching movement chart is active. All right, it's very active. It's over here, over here. It might just be nervous, uh, nervousness, so I'm just kind of moving back and forth. But that ties in really well to what we're talking about today, and we're talking about the gift of love. And I know right off the bat you're thinking, okay, this sounds trite, sounds like a Hallmark movie. Uh, I, we've seen one, you've seen them all. We've heard this, why do we, why do we need this? But the word uh, love, translated here in the passage we will look at today, is the, the, the Greek word agape. And it is active self-sacrifice. If you're taking notes here, those are the two blanks. Agape love is active self-sacrifice. It is habit. It is continual. It is to love and to give without any motive of return. It is not to just like somebody. It's much more than that. It is to sacrifice for any person especially those that you don't know, especially maybe those that don't like you or maybe they're, they're different or it's uncomfortable. That is the agape love that we are talking about this morning. We're not talking about liking and doing things to get in return. We're talking about active self-sacrifice. So why does love feel stationary? Why does love seem stationary? If agape love is active self-sacrifice, why does it feel stationary? Why does it feel stationary from, to me from God? The things that have happened in my life, it doesn't seem like God loves me. Or it doesn't seem like other people here at Bethel Baptist Church necessarily love me. Why is love stationary? Or why, is love, why does it seem stationary from me to somebody else, to that person who maybe you just don't really like? or they did something to you, or they rub you the wrong way. Why does it seem stationary to that person? Today we're going to see how, again, how God's love first vertically flows to us, and then it goes to those around us, to the one another. So let's look first at God's exhortation to love one another. God's exhortation to love one another. If you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. If you have a pew Bible right in front of you, it's extra large print. Uh, it is page number 1,212. 1,212. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And this is what it says here. Oh, I still hear some pages turning. By the way, I like those page turning. It's really, I love that. I love that. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, it, the text will also be on the screen as well. It says this, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And so I want you to see, first of all, that God's exhortation for us to love one another. It's not just some, something that Christians have worked up and this is part of uh, our mission and, and our value and we're going to love others. No, God says here, and it's all throughout his word, it is to love others. It is to actively self-sacrifice for one another. Now, I can't believe I'm going to use a math illustration. Math is not my strong suit. So I had to just Google this to make sure I was right. And I blame my lack of math skills on chickens. And uh, I grew up in Hawaii, and uh, we had math class outside. Uh, in this pavilion, and right next to us, there was this chicken farm. And so, I, 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 I'm, I'm not kidding. And I remember doing graphing and lines and points, and there were chickens running within a 10 feet on a fence right there. And so I blame my lack of math skills 
on chickens. But anyway, I, I do that. I, I do this to kind of maybe give uh, a little help if you, if you are a mathematician or you like math. So here is the horizontal relationship, the x-axis, so to speak, between you and other people, but more specifically you and the other people of Bethel Baptist Church, that one another are the people of Bethel Baptist Church right here. So the Apostle John is the author here, and he is writing to the church at large. And you're like, well, okay, well, how do you know that? If you look there, that first word, beloved, that, that word beloved means this. It means dear friends or divinely loved ones. So couple that with the one another, and you kind of put those together, and no one is specifically mentioned at the beginning of the book. We can deduce that this book is written primarily to the church at large. And so you and I, people of Bethel Baptist Church, John is not just writing this to those people long ago, but to, to us, to you and me, as you sit here. He's writing to us, Bethel Baptist Church, and God is telling us this morning, love each other. Love the people, specifically right here at Bethel Baptist Church. And so I'm gonna give you two reasons why. And there's kind of a process here. So the first reason is this, is let us love one another because love is from God. Let us love one another because love is from God. Again, if you look at verse seven, beloved, let us love one another. And it's very clear for love is from God. God is the originator. He is the source of love. If you, if you look down at verse eight, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is Love. Why are we supposed, or why do we love specifically the people right here at Bethel Baptist Church? It is because God is love. Love is from God. He is the source. Love is God's nature. All that he does is an expression of his love. But also because God is, uh, God's love is not, it is God's love and it is not our own. Look a couple verses down at verse 10. And it says this in verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And so we see that it is God's love and it is not our own. We don't have the power to express it or to create it. It is God's love. And I think here's some of the tension. When we try to love others with our love, with man's love, with natural love, the things that you see on television, um, movies and music and literature, those things, the natural love. And I think that's why it may feel, uh, uh, the, the love that we're talking about, why it feels stationary to you because we try to love others with natural love, the love that we hear and see uh, in, in the entertainment industry. But it is God's love. He is the originator. He is the source. It is his love. And I think this is one of the reasons why love maybe feels stationary to you from other people or from you to other people. So we are to love God or to love others because love is from God. But secondly, we are to love others because we know God. So here's some of that progression. We see that God is love. Love is from God. And, and we should love him because love is from God. But then here's the next part, because we know God. All right, so look at verse eight here. I'm sorry, the end of verse seven. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So here, love is proof or it is evidence that we know God in an experiential way. Not just to know about God, but you know him. And the text says that you are born of him. 
and you know him. This is one of the reasons why John wrote the book of 1 John. Uh, if, you, if you flip over to chapter five, maybe a page or two, chapter five, verse 13, it says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life. And let me tell you this morning, I have seen and I have felt evidence and proof of your active self-sacrifice to each other. I have seen it and felt it in my own life and to my family. And so I want to say, Bethel, let's go. Let's keep doing this. Yes, this is what we are supposed to do. But I also want to say, let's do more. Not just so we check off more and we look good, but for God's glory. Let's love even more for God's glory. And while this is proof and evidence of, of, for us to know God, being born of God, on the contrary, if you look at verse eight, it is also proof of something else. And it's strong words, and I'll let John say it here. In verse eight, it says this, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. What does the way that you love say about the way that you know God? What does the way that you love say about you knowing God? Is it that just that you know a lot about God? Or is it that you know him in a, in a way that you experience, that you are born of, that you know God? After all, in here, we see a lot of people religiously who knew a lot about God, but didn't know God. What does the way that you love others in here tell us this morning about the way that we know God? And again, maybe this is one reason why love feels stationary, because you don't know God. Maybe you know a lot about God this morning, but maybe you don't know him in the born again sense. So we have seen that love is from God in verse seven. We have seen that if we know God, who is love, then we will love others. This is God's exhortation to us, Bethel Baptist Church. Let us love one another. Let us actively love one another, self-sacrifice for one another because love is from God and because we know God and we reflect him. Now let's see what that looks like. What does the love of God look like? And this is exciting. This is where, this is where when coaches come together and they're gonna tell their team things and they're like, guys, let's go, let's go, bring it in. And they clap and they are excited and this is where it gets exciting. This is where God shows his vertical love to you and to me. All right, so this would be the vertical relationship. This would be the Y axis, okay? This would be the Y axis, all right? We talked about the X and the horizontal. This is the vertical relationships between, vertical relationship between God and us. And this is what we need to see and receive first if we are to truly love one another with this kind of agape love. So look at verse nine with me. Look at verse nine. This is the example of love to one another, of how God loved us, and this is how we are to love one another. In verse nine, it says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And so how did God love us? He loved us with sending, with active sending, with action, not just in word, but with action. He sent Jesus as the gift of eternal life. And we see that through the phrase, live through him and born of God. This is what Jesus told Nicodemus, the religious leader. 
And he said this in John chapter three, verse three. And you know this, but this is what he says. He says, Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is how God has loved us, sending Jesus so that we might have eternal life. This is why we celebrate Christmas, isn't it? The incarnation, the greatest gift, as Romans chapter six, verse 23 says, the end of that verse, uh, it says at the beginning, for the wages of sin is death, but the, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so at Christmas, when we talk about, we, we often say, you know what, gifts, uh, Christmas isn't really about gifts. Oh, but it is. It's about the greatest gift, the greatest gift of Jesus into the world to save us from our sins. And this is how God has showed his love for us, by sending, by sacrifice, action. And that is exactly how that you and I are supposed to love one another with action. And not just, oh yeah, all right, good, great to see you. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'll pray for you. And then we kind of go on our way. Yes, that's great and good and, and, and word, but also indeed with this action, this sending. Hey, let's, let's stop and let's pray. Or what can I do for you? Hey, let me come over. Let me do this or whatever that is. Let us love one another with sending, with action. Not just that. Here's God's example to us. He loved us with sending. But secondly, he loved us with sacrifice. Look at verse 10. God loved us with sacrifice. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And the big problem is that you and I, we have a sin problem. And so while culture says different things like sin is, it's relative or it's not that bad, or you're not that bad, the cross has something very different to say. The cross confronts what culture says, and it does say, it says sin is real and there is deadly consequences to it. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says this, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. And so we all have this sin problem. And the sin problem is even greater. And it says this in uh, Romans chapter 6, 23, for the wages of sin, which we're all affected by, is death. And so we have this great sin problem. But how did God love us? Again, with sacrifice. And Jesus becomes the propitiation for our sins. It, this is a great picture here. Uh, I don't know if it's how accurate it is. I, there was a lot of pictures that seemed to be very common. But in the Old Testament, the high priest would splatter the blood of the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement on what, what we call the mercy seat in the most holy place in the temple or in, in, in the tabernacle. And listen to what it says here in verse 15. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins uh, and all their sins. And in one sense, Christ literally became our mercy seat. Christ did this when his blood spilled on the cross on behalf of us. And it satisfied the demands of God's holy justice against sin. So this is how we are to love others, how God loved us with active self-sacrifice to his enemies 
without anything in return. I'm, these people are going to give me something back, so I'm going to send my son Jesus. No. These people like me, so I'm going to send my son Jesus. No. Active self-sacrifice. And my friends, so the greatest gift of Jesus meets our greatest need from sin. The greatest gift of Jesus meets our greatest need of sin. And this is what we call the gospel. It's what we just sang, come behold the wondrous mystery where the incarnation, Jesus takes on human flesh. He lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross for our sins. He resurrects from the dead. Uh, he, he returns, he ascends, and then he is coming back. This is the gospel, the greatest gift, and it meets our greatest need from sin. And this is the kind of love that God showed to us, sacrifice. Do you see that this morning? Do you see it? We say it a lot and we sing about it and we talk about it all the time, but do you see it this morning in what God has shown us in his example of how he has loved us? Do you see it? Sending, sacrifice. Have you experienced this love of God this morning? Maybe you sit here and you know a lot about God, but, but do you know him in, in, the, in an experiential way that you are born again, you are born of God and you know God? If you don't, my friends, today, as the Bible says, is the day of salvation. And very simply, you know, well, mo- many of you know this verse. Again, this is Jesus talking to that same religious leader, Nicodemus, after he told him, you must be born again. And this is what he says in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You can have this relationship with God where you are born again and you know. And it says here how? By believing in Christ, in Jesus, for the salvation of your sins. If you have questions and you're wondering and, and, and you're, yeah, you know, I want to know about this or I want to get saved, please come and see me after or, or we'll have the counseling center over or, or open and, or just people, someone in your pew and we would love to show you and explain more what this means. So this is the way that God loves us and the way that we're supposed to love others as John chapter 13 verse 34 says, what we just read for the scripture reading in the way that God loves us. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also to love one another. That's how we're supposed to love one another. And God gives us that example to do that. So we have seen the exhortation from God to love one another. We have seen the example. Well, what does that look like? How am I supposed to do that? Active action, self-sacrifice. Now, Let's get to the motivation to love one another. All right, let's look at that motivation. As we get to the last verse this morning, verse 11, this is where the vertical relationship meets the horizontal. All right, look at verse 11. It says this, and he's kind of summing and bringing all this right here. In verse 11, he says this, beloved, again, there's that word, beloved, divinely loved ones. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And he kind of sums it up here. So this is, this is not a deductive reasoning, so to, so, so to speak. This is more of an analogical uh, reasoning. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, uh, we see that children of God must be holy because God is holy. In Luke chapter 6, verse 36, we see the children of God must be merciful because God is merciful. 
And so that same reasoning we find right here in verse 11. So when it, com- so when it comes to us, we must be loving because God is loving. And he kind of takes all this and uses that word ought right there. It's, that, it's kind of that certainty, right? He says, certainly we have, we've got to because God loved us like this. We have got to. It's like this duty and delight, right? There's this obedience and there's this joy and there's this I have to and this compulsion and I get to and obligation and desire and how can I not? And it's all wrapped up together. And that's how we love. That's the motivation to love others. Not what I can get from it. Not because I'm comfortable with them. Not because they like me. But because how God has loved me first. This is how we are to love others. And this is how love doesn't stay stationary, but it becomes active. There is this motivation because we see vertically what God has given to us. So let that be our motivation as we leave here this morning. I'm not done yet, all right? I still have more. That's just kind of in the middle, all right? So we have seen, I know some of you are like, whoa, yeah, this is awesome. I love this, right? No, no, stay seated there. All right, here we go. We have seen God's exhortation for us to love. Very clear. Bethel Baptist Church, love one another, actively self-sacrificing to all, regardless. And how do we do that? We have seen the example, self-sacrifice, sending, action. And we've seen the motivation because God has loved us first. Now, the sermon is only one part of discipleship. It would be easy to just stand up here and I'm like, all right, guys, uh, let's do this. Here we go. And we leave and that's all we do. That would be really bad discipleship. There is discipleship here, what we're doing, opening the word of God, explaining, preaching, and listening, and okay. But there's a lot more to discipleship than just listening and preaching. That is a, there's a crucial and a central part. So how do we take what God is saying to us this morning? What's the next step? How do I take this in this auditorium when we pray and we're dismissed? How do we take this into the church lobby? into the parking lot? How do we take this into the, the Sunday school halls and the fellowship hall and, and the hallways? How do we take this from God's word this morning? How do we take it there? Number one is this. It is to read God's love story. And you're like, what? Like, okay, I know that. But we're forgetful people. If you notice in the word of God, there's so much about remembering and pay attention and look and don't forget because we're forgetful people. And so how do we do this? How do we take this and then apply it as soon as we say amen to the people of Bethel Baptist Church? Well, we've got to read God's love story continually, constantly, because we're forgetful, distracted people. If you have the notes, there's this, there's this quote that um, the Lord has just put on my mind this last year, and it says this, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The mind is so powerful. And there are a lot of thoughts in the world and the culture that we live in that talk about natural love, about man's love. You just, I don't, I don't want to use pop love songs because I feel like I always do. And you just look and there are thousands and, and hundreds of those but all of those, maybe even the greatest one, I don't know, like, and whenever I use a reference, I'm never saying they're okay to listen to, but the, the, the one I could just think of, I'm a, I'm a child of the, or early child of the 80s, it's Brian Adams, right? I, I, what, everything I do, right, I do it for you. I would die for you. That's great. But that's still, all that, that, all that that's man's natural love. 
And so we have to put the word of God continually before us to, to cause us to remind us of what is God's vertical love. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five tells us this, that all these, these wrong thoughts of man's natural love, these arguments, philosophies, lies, and these lofty opinions are raised against the knowledge of God, of who God is, his nature of love, and they barricade themselves against God and who he is. And so we have to be careful of what we listen to and what we watch. I'm not saying don't ever listen to those songs or watch those movies and unsubscribe from Hallmark. I'm not saying all those things. But what are you putting into your mind compared to the truth of what love is? Where does that weigh out? And look at what, look at what we're supposed to do here is to take every thought captive to obey Christ so that we love others because we know and we are reminded of what God's vertical love is for you and for me. And God's word is how we are reminded again of that love and how love doesn't stay stationary. It is active, self-sacrificing. On a practical note, have good systems. All right, have good systems in your life to get the word of God in front of you. So, uh, for example, have a reading plan. All right, it's almost the new year. There's Million, well, I don't know, there's thousands of reading plans. Here's one that I like. It's a book. It's easy. You open it up. I know I say this all the time, but it's so crucial. It's very simple. It's got the date. You know exactly what day it is. It's got the passage, and you know exactly what to read. All right? It's in a book format. You're not uh, distracted with uh, texts that come on your phone, all those things, or whatever. And for me, this works great. But for you, maybe it works like something different. Maybe it's on your phone but have good systems to get the word of God in front of you. Find the best time of the day for you to do it. Nighttime, in the morning, whenever that is. Good systems are really important. Have accountability. Do it with somebody. So there's that accountability for you to work through whatever that is with somebody else. Now, let me just say good systems aren't going to change you. They're not going to give you the power to change you, but it will help you to get the word of God in front of you, which Hebrew says is active and super, super, really, really sharp. That has the power to change. So have good systems. So how do we apply what we're talking about today is we've got to be reminded constantly of the love of God. If you would like, if you're new to a lot of this, there is this, we call, this is called the life book. It is the book of John. And I put uh, about 20 copies at the table in the lobby. And it's the same writer that wrote 1 John that we've been looking at. And if you're like, well, what, what is God's love is, or I wanna be reminded of it, take one of these. Or if there's someone in your life that you know, hey, they, they could use this. Take as many, there's a box underneath that they run out. Take the whole box and give them out. But how do we apply the word of God today is we have got to get the word of God in front of us to remind us of that vertical love that we have from him. Next is this. It is to give the gift of God's love to others. And you're like, okay, all right. Give the gift of God's love to others. Let me ask you this. Who is the first person that comes to your mind when I ask this question right here at Bethel Baptist Church? Who is that person? Chances are probably that's the person that God's calling you to actively self-sacrifice. And if no one came to your mind, then just kind of look around. There's plenty of people there. But who is that one person that God is saying, yeah, this is for you and that person for you to love that person without any motive to get anything back regardless of who they are? Let's agape those people.
you may not need to sacrifice your life. John chapter 15, verse 13, right? Greater love, greater love that, that no man has this, right? That he lays his life down. Probably you're not going to have to sacrifice your life for somebody else in here. Maybe. But here's something that we are going to have to do, that God is calling us to sacrifice different things in our life. Maybe it's pride. Man, that person doesn't do that to me. I'm not gonna do it to that person. God says, love one another. Sacrifice. Maybe it's the social status dreams. Man, I really wanna be in that crowd and love one another. Maybe it's comfort. That's awkward. I don't know what to say. They're so different. I just, oh, and I feel uncomfortable. Love one another. Maybe it's your time. I've got to do this and I've got to go here and love one another. Again, I've seen and I've felt the proof that many of you are born of God and you know God by your active self-sacrifice. And I continue to say, let's go BCC. Let's go more for God's glory, more. And I know you're saying here, look, this is really hard. It's really difficult. I fear the sacrifice of whatever that is, those things that I talked about, comfort, time, social status, dreams, your pride, whatever that is. And it's really hard. And it seems impossible. And I get it. Let me just tell you personally, one thing I struggle with when it, when it comes to this is time. I struggle with sacrificing my time because I'm like, man, I got all this stuff to do and I, and I can't, I just gotta focus. I gotta put my horse blinders up and don't talk to me and I just gotta go and I gotta go. I got all this to do. And God says, no, sacrifice, agape, one another here. And that's something I struggle with and I struggle with that fear and anxiousness and then oftentimes it turns to irritability, right? And I just, no, I gotta, I gotta do this. What is God asking you this morning to sacrifice to love other people? Because of fear oftentimes. In verse 18, it says this. This has really changed a lot for me this last year or so uh, because fear is so great and it's a lot of different things but I, and I hope this changes for you as well. Look at verse 18, chapter four, verse 18, just a few verses down. It says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love or mature love, it casts out fear, it banishes it. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you know, I just, I, it, I can't, it's so hard. I fear this. Let verse 18 speak to you this morning and encourage you and motivate you this, oh, I've got to. It's hard, I know it's difficult, but I've got to. There's no fear in love, in the love of God, in the love of Christ, there is no fear. You are rooted and you are grounded in love. And so you're able to step through that fear and to obey in duty and delight and to actively self-sacrifice for other people. It banishes fear. It says, get out of here. It throws it out. Remember, it's not your love that we are called to love others. It is God's love. In verse 10 that we see that. All right, I'm closing. It's always God's love in us. And because we abide in the Father and in the Son, the love becomes also our own. God invites us to love even as he loves. And so we return to him his own love and love him with the greatest, with the gift of his love. So also we are to love one another with God's love and how he loved us. So remember, when you go to love others and there's opportunities, 
It's not your love. It is God's love that then we give to those around us. So let's be people of God that loves one another with his love and not our own. And let me tell you, the people of Bethel Baptist Church need God's love experienced through you right now. They need it. And in the next coming days, they will need it. And so let's be those people. And when we do this, listen to what Jesus says in John 13, verse 15. When we do this, it says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, by this, by us obeying and loving one another, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's an amazing thing that happens. That witness, that testimony, that people look and say, look at those people. It's so weird that they love one another with active self-sacrifice. They must be disciples of Jesus Christ. What's up with that? I want to know more. That's our mission. When we do that, we are fulfilling part of that mission that's on our wall to make a mature disciples of Jesus Christ. And so let's do that. Let's be those people. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, your word is very clear to us this morning. It's a little difficult. I know even in my own heart, there's just kind of that, oh, okay, yeah, I know it. And, but Father, I, I pray that you would impress the truth of your word upon our hearts and upon our minds. Father, I pray first, first and foremost, we would see who you are. We would not try to love and obey you with our own love and our own worth and our own measure and power. But let us see who you are first, the originator, the source of love. And let us see and experience what you have given to us through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray. I pray from Ephesians chapter three that you would strengthen us through your spirit that we would know the love of Christ and how rooted and how grounded that we are. I pray that we would understand mentally, but also that we would experience it in a tangible way, your love for us through Christ. The height, the depth, the breadth, the length, the width, all of it. We would know it and understand it that we might give it to other people. Father, I know, I know you will give us opportunities to do this right when I say amen or right when the, the last dismissal and when we walk in the hallways and when we greet in the, in the lobby and we eat downstairs and when we serve together around here, I know you will give us opportunities and I pray that you would change our hearts so often grips with fear and you speak the truth of your word to our fear that there is no fear in your love. And we would banish that. And we would obey you and, and there's, with this ought to love one another. Father, may you use our church that people would see that we are disciples of you and we would continue in that mission to the surrounding communities. We need your help. And I pray that you would help us. Help us to remember this through the truth of your word, the power of your Holy Spirit, 
and who your word reveals you to be. And I praise you for all that you will do. We ask this in Jesus' in his precious name. Amen.